นโมทัสสะภะคะวะโตอะระหะโตสัมมาสัมพุทธัสสะนโมทัสสะภะคะวะโตอะระหะโตสัมมาสัมพุทธัสสะนโมทัสสะภะคะวะโตอะระหะโตสัมมาสัมพุทธัสสะพุทธังธรรมังสังฆังนมัสสะเราเห็นว่าเราเห็นว่าเราเห็นว่าเราเห็นว่าเราเห็นว่าเราเห็นว่าเราเห็นว่าเราเห็นว่าเราเห็นว่าเราเห็นว่าเราเห็นว่าเ
and have some more intense sensual experience, thinking that you know there's something wrong with their level of sensuality. So you've got to have an, a more exciting meal, or you know, go to an even better restaurant. You can't just have nice food anymore. You go to a restaurant where they 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 do the food. We went to this restaurant in Newcastle recently where they, they do the food right in front of you. And the, the, there's this guy there chopping stuff and there's flames going off and he's throwing eggs up in the air and catching them in his hat. You know, why do we uh, keep doing this? It's, a lot of it is very energy extravagant. Yeah. I haven't been to the movies for about 32 years, but I hear that the experience in a movie theatre these days is really amazing. You get this surround sound, apparently, where you kind of you're right there and uh, you know when when Spider-Man is fighting with I don't know who the new monster is but um, anyway Spider-Man you know you're right in there and you have this sensational experience and and it does give you a little distraction for a while and obviously distraction's got its place too but when we're committed to distraction life becomes very energy extravagant we're always having to distract ourselves again well, what the Buddha pointed out was actually we don't have to keep distracting ourselves that the original condition is very nice. Actually, the original condition is a very lovely experience. Um, but if we don't know the original condition, if we just function on the level of this uh, sensual stimulus all the time, then life gets very boring. Right? You need another intense relationship or... And, you know, or if you get off on, on thinking and more complex and fascinating theories about life. However, with an appreciation of the value of, of contrast, we can see, well, what's it like, what's it like when the mind is, is really quiet? Yeah. What's it like when we're not seeing, smell, smelling, hearing, tasting, touching, thinking all the time? Yeah. We have a contrasting experience of life. Yeah. And that's what meditation is. You let go of all these outer objects, not as a judgment, not as a criticism, or there's nothing wrong with the beautiful garden or the lovely bird song or the nice sounds and agreeable smells and tastes of, of, of the physical world. These things can be exceedingly pleasant. However, if that's the only level of experience that we know, then the reality is that it becomes very mundane. So we get tired of it and so in contrast to exciting and stimulating ourselves more on that level the, the spiritual encouragement is to to go the opposite direction and to turn inwards and to let go of the stimulus I emphasize again this is not as a judgment or a rejection of it at all but out of interest you know, so what's it like to be still Instead of always moving, physically, doing things, and speaking, and and sensating all over the place, what's it like to get really, really still? And if we develop that, and we 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 experience for ourselves what it's like, well, then we get a very interesting and very different perspective on what we call the world. You know, the world that that that. You can spend a lot of energy loving or hating and, and readjusting and realigning and redesigning and manipulating and, and uh, so on and so forth. You can be busy with this outer world of sense objects. But from the perspective of the still mind, 
when the heart quietens down and we disengage through training, through right attention, we disengage, you start to see that all these pursuits, all these worldly pursuits actually have no end. There's nothing wrong with them, as I said. I mean, there's a certain amount that we need to be doing. You know, we need, you know, we need to find food and we need to maintain relationships and we need to have decent structures to live in and so on. But they're only actually only relatively important. They're not as important as they seem. And so uh, a big part of the Buddha's teaching is, is a, an encouragement to contemplate this, to see this world, this outer world of sensuality that looks so incredibly important and so lovable or so hateable, depending on what kind of stimulus we're getting, actually it's not that lovable or hateable really at all. It's just so. It's just like this. It's just the weather's agreeable, the weather's disagreeable. The food is agreeable, the food is disagreeable. You know, the body is comfortable, the body is uncomfortable. It's just so, from the perspective of the still, quiet mind. Now, that's not a, that's not a theory that we can necessarily think ourselves into being convinced by, but it is an experience that's, that, that we can have if we, if we, out of interest, disengage from sensual stimulus and become acquainted with the still inner world, what it's like when we let go of this outer, busy, active world and, and, and become acquainted with the terrain of the inner world, well then, as I said, we get a very new perspective, a very valuable perspective. And then our relationship changes. We don't, we don't have to get so upset by the world. We don't have to fall in love with the beautiful things of the world. I mean, there are some things in this world that are so beautiful. It's just, I was, in fact, I was just looking at some photographs of, um, just before I came in here, um, of the uh, trip that I've just been on, six weeks, and one of the places that I was in Slovenia, is uh, 50% of Slovenia is forest. And believe it or not, some of this forest is virgin forest. I never thought I'd see virgin forest in Europe. In New Zealand, yes, but, but not in Europe. There's so many people been doing things for so long. I thought all the forests must have definitely been interfered with. But apparently there's a place in Poland as well. But, but in Slovenia, there's where we were, this retreat house, up on the border with Slovenia and Austria. There's a valley where it's very steep and, and it's just obviously too inconvenient for people to fell the trees. And so there's this wonderful beech forest utterly untouched and it is so beautiful and and the streams and waterfalls and, and just there's a magical feeling there that human beings have not spoiled it you know they haven't done anything to it and the, and the air is wonderful there the water is wonderful there and I was just looking at these pictures and other pictures of the trip that I've been on and, and the mind goes back and you can start to think oh well, when can I go back there again you know well, that's all right. You can be attracted by the world. Or also, actually, we stopped off and uh, I had time in Venice and Padova and, and Milan and various places and in Italy. They were very agreeable and lovely people and nice sunny climate. And, and looking at pictures, these images can trigger the inner world. We can go back and I can be back in Italy again. And I can... If I don't understand the nature of that inner world, if I don't understand what these images are about, 
I can get overly excited by it and start investing too much energy in it. And I've just got to go back to it. Whereas if we've contemplated these inner worlds and say, well, yeah, Italy was great. Slovenia was lovely. And I can go back there again in my mind and I can think about it. And there it is. But it's not the way it appears to be. Yeah. These memories that we, we create the world out of memory and, and images that we have, like photographs, memories are like photographs. We can create these worlds, but if we don't understand what they really are, then we can invest too much energy in them. And we can spend a whole life manipulating and running around, rearranging life to try and have it all wonderful and lovely. But the reality is actually that these inner worlds are all conditioned by preference. We only see the things and remember the things according to what our preferences tell us. These worlds are not really the way they appear to be. Or the unpleasant worlds also. You think back to something unpleasant that happened. and I can think back, I can remember, still very vividly, I can remember being in Bali 31 years ago with amoebic dysentery. Now Bali, you think of Bali, you know, you've seen pictures in the tour brochures about Bali, the Balinese, these magical, lovely people, and they wear these lovely things on their head, and they do these nice dances, and 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 the beaches are all beautiful, and the food, and there's you know papaya with lime juice squeezed on it, and and avocados and mangoes, and 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 it's just Bali is magical. Well, it is magical, but if you've got amoebic dysentery, it's hell, absolutely hell. Just you know, just I won't go into the details. It was it was awful. And I was way up in the hills and had no medicine. And this this local village guy, he had this theory, he had this medical treatment for me that he sure was curing me with. He would chew up garlic, he would chew garlic, and then he would spit it onto my navel and then rub it in. And he, this was supposed to clear my amoebic dysentery, and it didn't do a lot of good. And and I had a very very bad time. And I can I can think about that, and I can go back there, and I can feel really bad. Now that's you know that's only one little example. Maybe you've got even worse memories than that. A lot of us have got painful memories. If we don't understand the worlds that we create with our memories, then we make too much out of them. We get too caught up in them, and and that's what the Buddha pointed out about. That's what delusion is. There's nothing nothing wrong with memory. Memory is an aspect of intelligence. is very important. The, the creative fantasies that we can we can bring about in our mind uh, regarding the future. We can we can imagine how wonderful things could be based on our experience of the past. But these inner worlds that we create, if we don't really see these worlds for what they are, then we give them a certain solidity. We invest too much in them. We get all turned on by them or turned off by them accordingly. We love them or we hate them. And so that's also true of, of course, the world that we move around in now. When we, you go into Newcastle, and, and if you're in a good mood, you know, you, you're full of, you know, feeling healthy, or, or maybe you're in love. You know what it's like. You see people when they're in love, they have bright eyes, and everything is beautiful when somebody's in love. But then somebody else is depressed, and, and uh, their dog's just died, and. Um, They've uh, got indigestion, really bad indigestion, and had indigestion for a week. 
and their dog's just died and it's raining and they've got no friends and the computer's got a virus. And um, they're walking around Newcastle thinking about how they can kill themselves. Now, of course, you know, these people are walking around in the same town, but the experience is very different. The world they're creating is very, very different. Where's the real world? And what is the real world? Well, if we don't have access to the still inner world, then it's very difficult for us to have a clear and accurate perspective on the world. From the Buddhist perspective, he said, the world is all transitory. It's not the way it appears to be. And when we get fooled by the world, we get fooled into loving and hating the world, well, that's an opportunity for us to stop and reflect and, and, and learn from how we get fooled by our perceptions. Generally, when we we get fooled by loving and hating the world, we tend to you know, forget about it and, and blame the world and say, well, there's something wrong with the world. When actually, there's nothing wrong with the world, it's, it's the way we view the world. And so, there's this expression, uh, the, the, talking about the meditation that we do, vipassana, meditation. Pasata, vipassana means to see. But this is vipassana, this is seeing through or seeing into. This is, you know, we literally translate it as insight, meditation. And the reason for the Buddha's encouraging of this insight meditation is that, that we learn to see in a different way. And, but this has to be cultivated. But if we do cultivate it, well then we can know the benefit for ourselves. You can... You can remember a beautiful time you had with somebody, and but you don't make anything out of it. Yeah. If it passes, as it will, all beautiful, <coughs> all beautiful things pass, and all ugly, horrible things pass. But if we don't see through the way things appear to be, well then the tendency is to invest too much in them. So this is actually a contemplation you can take wherever you are, and we can you know, exercise it. We can exercise this way of seeing. We don't have to just do it while we're sitting on our cushion in formal meditation. Like um, a couple of days ago, I was out there in the, the, the garden, the walled garden, doing walking meditation, walking up and down, and I had my mobile phone in my pocket. And I left a message with somebody about spending some time at their place on retreat. And suddenly my mobile phone went off while I was walking meditation. And uh, I could have ignored it, but I, I chose to bring it out and, and answer the phone. And, and this was his friend, and he said, oh, I'm standing in line at the, at the theatre waiting to go and see Spider-Man. I'll give you a call in the morning. And suddenly, here I am on the walking meditation track, transported into some picture theatre where there's this friend of mine standing in line waiting to go and see Spider-Man. And then he hangs up, and then I'm back on the walking track again, and there's the grass, there's the sand, and there's the view, and there's the lake. And, there's the and I noticed how we can move in and out of these worlds. A lot of the time we move in and out of these worlds totally unaware of what we're doing. And we don't realize how caught up we get in these worlds. Now, as it happens, I don't mind not going to see Spider-Man, and the fact that I haven't been to a theater for 32 years is not the end of the world. I do get to see videos sometimes and 
you know, maybe in a few months a DVD will come out and I'll get to, <laughs> I'll get to see Spider-Man. Yeah. But maybe something else comes up. Maybe somebody rings you up and, and tells you some terrible news. And, uh, and then immediately the mind falls into a hell realm. And we, we, create, we create the worlds that we live in. Yeah. Now we know we may be able to accept that as in theory, but the task is for us to to practice in a way whereby we see that we see that in the moment you see you know, when we get high and elated and and that's okay but let's not get lost in it and then when we get sad and despairing that's okay but let's not get lost in it now a way of not getting lost in it is to train our seeing so that we remember quicker Remember that the worlds that we're experiencing is our creation, our responsibility. And we can cultivate the strengths that actually mean that we can live in a beautiful world. The sensorial world is, is going to be what it's going to be. We don't know. We can't, anything can happen. We don't know what's going to happen. You know, we get some disease or we eat some bad food or the weather changes or the political climate changes or... These things happen, we don't have a lot of control over it. But the world that we create is something we do have control over. So, as I said at the beginning of the meditation instruction, to put effort into letting go of the world that's defined by time. The Buddha spoke over and over again about this, letting go of the past, letting go of the future, and letting go of the present as well. You know, even the idea of the present is, is something to be let go of. But we can start by letting go of the ideas we have of the past. And, and it's wonderful when we can do that, when you, or the future. You know, to really, the way we do it is not by, not by rejecting these thoughts and saying, oh, I shouldn't be having thoughts about the future. But rather, when we say, if you're meditating and you see the mind drifting into the future, and then you start having feelings about the future, you know, maybe anticipation or worry, or you know, have I done that? Have I done that? If we can just, in that moment, catch it and and just say, what is that? What is that really? That thought, that world that I've just created here, actually sitting here in this moment coming back to this moment, this place, this moment, this place, that world is my creation. That anxious world full of threatening possibilities is something that I've created here and now. And to see that gives us a certain kind of strength. Then we don't feel we're not victims to the world. You know, we, we often get around thinking that we're somehow victims to the world. We're victims to the past, things that have happened in the past. But actually we've We've all survived the past. Whatever's happened to us in the past, we've survived it. We, we're here. We've survived it. But the memories we have of the past is something that, that we have control over. We're not victims to our memories, actually, unless we want to be, unless we choose to be. However, that is work. That's to really... And this is, this is, this is inner work. Yes, there's the outer work of building buildings and making food and preparing food and, and, and earning money and, and doing these things 
and that's obviously important but no matter how hard we work in the outer world it doesn't guarantee us a contented inner world so the spiritual domain and the the encouragement that's given in, in all true religion is to find our own way into a recognition that the inner worlds that we occupy are worlds that we create to recognize that we're doing this that we're we're actually consistently over and over again creating these inner worlds for us to live in or when we start to get that feeling say well actually I don't want to live in an unpleasant world for many years I thought somehow that you know I was a victim and and, uh, poor me and, and so on after a while of you know watching your mind, you realize actually you've got a choice that even when even when feeling angry comes up over something that happened in the past, you you've got a choice of whether you get lost in that anger or not. Now we may not always know we've got that choice. Yeah. Like with fear also, frightening memories come up and a lot of people don't realize that they've got a choice whether to get pulled into those memories and those old reactions or not. However, if we have some decent teachings, well, then we do recognize that there are things we can do about this. And so like the reflection that we did after the end of the meditation, consciously choosing to cultivate thoughts of loving kindness, may I abide in well-being, in freedom from affliction, in freedom from ill will, in freedom from hostility. May I be free from hostility. May I not be a victim of my own... You know, aggression or other people's aggressions you know, to really cultivate that as a positive wish for oneself is a profoundly strong force yeah. now if you don't realize if you haven't sat and gotten in touch with you, you might just think oh it's a nice little thing to chant about but it's not a nice little thing to chant about actually it's a profound force it's a, a very strong thing to, to be able to say for yourself and mean it may I be well May I be free from ill will. May I be free from ill will. You know, it's like when ill will comes up or anger comes up and you just get caught up in losing your temper or saying something that you regret, whatever. Who's responsible for that? Well, it's him. He shouldn't have said that. Well, we might think that way, but if we're honest, we need to say, well, actually, I'm responsible for that. But I keep getting caught up in it. I keep getting these things. It comes out before I know I've said it. And... Well, that, that might well be true, but there's still something we can do about it. And one of the things we can do about it is to recognize we can cultivate these positive forces. We have this power, we have this potential to, to brighten the heart, brighten the mind, strengthen the heart with these wholesome wishes so that we can be protected from ill will, to really to know we can generate this wish, may I be free from ill will to say that with feeling, just in the same way that we might say, may I succeed in passing this exam, or may I get this job, I really know I want this job, I really, really want this job, I really want it, and we can say this to somebody, may they say it to your friends, I really hope I get this job, and we know what it means to hope and to want to get the job, well if we can say just the same thing to us, I really wish that I would be free from ill will, that wish, that wholesome wish, is transformative and powerful. And likewise, the wish that, you know, may I be free from suffering, may all beings be free from suffering. The, the, the force of compassion that, that protects the heart from insensitivity. 
we can cultivate this to to consciously recognize the feeling of knowing what it's like to see somebody suffer to see suffering and to feel the wish that beings be free from suffering to feel that wish emerge like you might be maybe on your own watching television and and you see see something you know like some this latest thing in africa this awful famine or 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 the awful they just had some remembrance ceremonies in in in, in former yugoslavia for the massacres that happened over there and you can watch these things and you see these people crying and starving and 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 your heart can well up and maybe the tears start to flow and and there's this tremendous sadness that that's just wishing that beings be free from suffering and that's an opportunity where we can choose to consciously come to recognize that and to give it a voice and say may they be free from may beings be free from suffering to feel the feeling and to express the wish may beings be free from suffering and we can choose to cultivate that and in so doing we protect our heart from being taken over by insensitivity and there's so much pain around there's so much actually there's so much ugliness around if you're not careful where you go and where you look you can be overexposed to ugliness and sadness and the heart can become insensitive well to protect the heart from becoming insensitive we need to cultivate this force like the force of compassion you know, somebody a great example of course that we're all familiar with is His Holiness the Dalai Lama somebody who certainly has absolutely every good reason to be suffering from from um, burnout and, and too much pain and too much sorrow but he doesn't he, he continues to radiate this positive force of compassion but that's something he's built up that's the world of compassion <clears throat> Brahma Loka it's called in Pali the heavenly realms Loka is world and Brahma Loka is the celestial realms of compassion of loving kindness or or empathetic uh, joy where you take delight and we cultivate taking delight in somebody else's well-being where you see people doing well you see people succeeding and moving on and 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 Buddha gives the example of a mother with her child see the child doing well and succeeding and the mother has this empathetic joy and so happy for the child and he says you can take that feeling of empathetic joy and and, and cultivate it identify it mudita it's called in the Pali identify this feeling of empathetic joy well-wishing and if we cultivate it it protects the heart from falling into the hell realm the world of jealousy of envy and jealousy which is such an unpleasant miserable world to fall into but if we don't protect ourselves well then the chances are we can fall into them so these worlds that we create uh, we can operate as if we can function as if they're something that we're a victim to that you know, other people are creating the world or other people are responsible for them but that's not really very honest because on some level we know that that's not the case we all know what it's like to fall in love and to get around and think the world is all wonderful when somebody else might be having a really bad time we know what that's like or we know the experience you know, we, we have this expression my whole world was turned upside down 
You know, we have that expression in English as a common expression. So we know that the world is subjective, but to really take responsibility for that uh, is a particular skill. And, and so whether it's formal meditation, where we hopefully learn to settle into a deep inner quietude where we're able to reflect on the world, to see the nature of the world, to see memory for what it is, how empty it is, how fleeting memory is, like a photograph. You turn over the other side and it's got Kodak or Fuji written on the back. You know, When you look at the front and you think, oh, how wonderful, how beautiful. Yeah. That's what memory or fantasies of the future. You, know, you look at these magazines, these glossy magazines, advertising holidays and beautiful places you can go to and you can look at them and you can create the feelings, oh, it's going to be beautiful, it's going to be wonderful. But you don't think about the dysentery that you're going to get or, <laughs> well, hopefully you don't get it. But you, you know, you should always take ciprofloxacin with you when you go on holiday because you never know when you're going to come down. All these beautiful movies that they make where the world looks so glorious and conjure up these worlds of romance and I recently heard a report about that movie Horse Whisperers. I don't know if you ever saw it, this beautiful romantic movie about training horses out in Montana, I think it is. A wonderful, beautiful scenery and it's just so moving and lovely and lovely movie to watch. But the truth of it is that actually all the actors in that movie were continually tormented throughout making it by all the mosquitoes and they had to cover themselves with mosquito repellent. They had to have shiploads of mosquito repellent coming in so they could make that movie. Well, they didn't tell you that in the credits. You know, when you saw the movie, you said, oh, it's lovely Montana. And so everybody rushes off to Montana for a nice holiday and you get covered in mosquito bites. And, yeah, that's delusion. That's the worlds that we create because we don't have the intuition, we don't have the perspective to be able to see through the way things appear to be. So, but if we do cultivate the practice, whether it's in formal meditation and from a quiet place we're able to reflect on the nature of memories and fantasies or in our everyday life as we go through the experiences of, of phone conversations or person-to-person conversations or reading newspapers or television, whatever. We can reflect on the world. What is this world? Loka in, in Pali. Now the Buddha was called Loka Widu, somebody who sees through the world. Do we see through the world or are we fooled by the world? That's actually a choice that we have. Thank you very much this evening for your attention. Um,